Welcome to It's the ADHD Friendly Podcast, where we talk all things well-being, personal development, and living our best damn ADHD lives at home and at work. My name is Karen McGill. I'm a certified ADHD life coach, and I'm here to help you do life better. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. I hope your week is going well or has gone well. Uh, it's been a tough road around here. We um, put our palm chi down last last Friday, and that was really hard. I was his third mom. His, uh, I started off as his foster mom, and then we decided to adopt him at the age of 14. Uh, and we had him for a good solid 18 months of absolute joy. He was a, a very, very special little guy, and it is... I've learned a very gratifying and meaningful and hard uh, thing to do to adopt a senior dog and see them towards the end of their life. Uh, But meaningful and hard is um, a decent combination because that's where we grow, right? Like when we come out of our comfort zone and do things that challenge us uh, in ways that we didn't know we had the capacity to be challenged and move on from it. Oh, I got to stop talking about this or else I'll get emotional. But uh, suffice to say, it has been, it's been a week for me and um, I'm coming out the other side and I am in a place of gratitude that I got to be his mom. So with that, uh, I'm going to transition into today's topic. Uh, We are going to dive into goal setting from a bit of a different perspective because uh, it's April 1st as I'm recording this, and uh, it's the official first day of Q2, uh, and our first three months of the year have already gone by. I listened to uh, an interesting YouTube video where somebody was chatting, sorry, somebody did some research on uh, Google Trends and the things that people are searching around the March, uh, February, March timeframe. And the trends are really uh, reflective of the emotional mindset of most people in that time. And there is a lot of um, inquiries around how do I, you know, move forward with my goals? How do I not give up on my goals? A lot of things, a lot of queries around, you know, how do I fix where I feel right now? So if you're feeling, ugh. You know, like life is a bit of a slog or the, you know, the energy that you started off the year with has waned and you're struggling a bit. Uh, I want you to know that according to Google, you're not alone. We all kind of go through that period. March is apparently a very tough month for a lot of people, especially people in the Northern Hemisphere who are pretty sick and tired of um, winter. (laughs) So... I thought that was a good time for us to do another touch base on goal setting. And, you know, I really just want to amplify that goal setting may seem like a very simple thing to do. Like, oh, I I have a goal to do X, Y, or Z. So I'm going to get out there and do it and accomplish it. But it's a lot more complex than that because, uh, and I'll, I'll go through this in a bit more detail, but at a high level, I know we set goals based on what we know life to be, right? So if you have a very limited purview of life, then the goals you set may not be the best goals for you. They might be just a reflection of what you see. So, uh, you know, examining the goals that you're setting is one thing and making sure they're appropriate for you, I think is, is a very powerful thing to do because it helps us from, it helps us, uh, guard against letting them go, but also thinking about 
you know, what is the process of the goal and is it just the outcome that I'm after or is the journey worth doing? Because usually what I find in my own, uh, life experience and very often in the experience of my clients is that, you know, we reach our goals and we don't even take a second to acknowledge it before we're moving the goalposts forward more. So there's a real lack of connection between achieving things and internalizing that achievement and realizing that we have done a thing and then moving on to the next thing. So There's a lot in this goal setting process. And if you're someone who has challenged executive function, as those of us with ADHD have, and even those of us who are not really that high up on the spectrum of ADHD, we all have challenged executive function from one for one degree to another. And it's, I think, getting worse as our attention spans continue to dwindle away. So this is a really poignant thing for all of us. And I just wanted to underscore that before I moved into what we're talking about in detail, because it's important. It's important to your happiness and your sense of self and identity and the accomplishments that you have in your life that you might not even be paying any attention to. I see this so often in my clients. They do amazing things, but they they spend so little time actually reflecting on what they're doing, um, that they don't incorporate that into their identity, as I said before. So it is so important. Um, but without further ado, I'm going to give you seven questions that you might want to noodle on as you make goals or visit, revisit the goals that you set maybe earlier this year or some other point in your life to see if they truly are the goals that you need them to be. So uh, only you can be the decider of that, which is why I'm positioning this as a set of questions rather than a you should or you shouldn't. And I hope they're helpful. And there's a blog post that accompanies this post, so or this um, uh, podcast. So I will put the questions in that blog post and I will also uh, put them in the, in the show description um, on the podcast app that you're listening to this with so that you have uh, them at your fingertips so you can put them in your journal or in your digital planner or whatever it is that you use to track goals, which I hope you're tracking your goals, uh, and you know use them as a tool to really do some reflection. So here we go. Number one, are the goals that you're setting worth pursuing? And this might sound ridiculously obvious, but as I mentioned before, humans make goals based on what they see around them. And you know that Jim Rohn saying of you are the result of the five people you hang out with. Well, those goals that you're setting are also influenced by those people as well. And as a result of this, our goals are limited to what we're exposed to and they're often externally driven. So we might desire these things, but we may not be emotionally aligned to them. I hope that makes sense. We're far more likely to ditch goals when the going gets tough, when we don't have an internal connection to them. So the best goals that you can set for yourself are actually intrinsically motivated. And what that means is that they're based on your values or your sense of honor and duty, which is very different. Let me just uh, underscore this than a quote unquote should goal. Your honor and duty is like, I, I feel like it's my duty to take care of my kids 
or it's my honor to, um, you know, see my senior dog to his final breath. That was a huge honor for me, even though it wasn't easy. Uh, those are honor and duty goals. Whereas I should really do this because somebody wants me to do it and I don't want to disappoint them. That is a, that is a shitty goal. (laughs) So before you set your goals, do spend time thinking about understanding your values and what is most meaningful for you because you will be far less likely to give up on them when the going gets tough. The next question to ask yourself is, are the goals you're setting clear and actionable? If you give yourself vague goals like, I want to get healthier this year, or I really want to become a millionaire, or maybe not a millionaire, but I want to get rich, uh, I can almost guarantee goals like that will go absolutely nowhere. Because there's no concreteness to these goals, they are undefined by specific actions. So the clearer you can get with your goals and desired outcomes, the easier they are to operationalize into action steps. And this is particularly challenging for those of us with ADHD because our brains aren't wired for long-term planning or planning in general. So when we have these goals that don't have clear next steps, it brings us into that place of, um, you know, we're freeze, we freeze and we don't know what to do next. Very often it's not because we're procrastinating because we're lazy or because we don't really want it. It's because we don't know what the next step is. So when we're planning goals, we want to make sure we're doing that at a time when our executive function is at its best. So you're, you know, you got your coffee going or your medications, or you just worked out whatever it is that puts you in your best frame of mind for this sort of activity and also look for external support. So a body double or an accountability partner or a coach, these are the folks that are going to build your external structure. So when we talk about external structure, it's everything that is outside of your brain that helps you walk down this path. You are an incredibly intelligent person with a huge brain, but these small minute details are not your jam. So getting help is going to lay out those steps so that you can move forward with them. The next thing I would ask you is, do you have a set of mentors or physical examples of people that have what you have, or maybe a few steps ahead of you or have, you know, the end result that you're gunning for. In my case, you know, I look for people that reflect who I want to be, um, both as a person from a character standpoint and as a professional and how I want to show up in the world. Um, oddly enough, I don't look for examples of folks from like a relationship perspective. Like I want to be like that person in my marriage. I do make a point of seeing folks that, you know, I don't want to be like in a marriage or in a friendship or stuff like that. But, um, I guess maybe I don't really have like a, a goal of where I want to move to in my relationships. Maybe that's why I'm doing just a little bit of self-thought here. But when I think about things that, you know, I'm not where I want to be, like in business or in this very new career that I have, I feel like there's so much potential and so much growth opportunity ahead for me. I need to find mentors that I don't even necessarily know personally. Some of them I do. And, you know, some of them are coaches or just other folks in the industry, like peers. And some of them are people I don't know in different industries even 
that have accomplished something that I would like to accomplish for myself. And I admire their character, their integrity and how they got to where they're going. So with that, um, you know, I encourage you to find that, but also just as a, a side note, it's really important to find mentors that inspire and lift you up that you don't feel a sense of comparison against, or, um, that make you feel not necessarily even less than, well, obviously that, but also like, I can't do it like that person does it for whatever reason. Um, because obviously you're going to do things in your own way. So find those people that you admire, uh, that you also admire a lot more about them than just the goal they've achieved. Uh, you admire how they've gotten there and you admire who they are as people. The next question I would ask you, (laughs) are you taking yourself and your progress way too seriously? And this is a huge one for women, especially uh, those of us with ADHD. Uh, We have to be very careful about being overly invested in the pursuit of goals because very often that leads us to forcing results that aren't ready to materialize. I, you know, I was guilty of this in my younger years and a lot of my peers, I saw this as well, you know, girls in their twenties and thirties that want to get married and have families, they may push their relationships that they're in, in a direction to meet a goal of getting married. Um, and it's just a lack of life experience that puts most of us there. I think a lot of women deal with this. Uh, and then, you know, five, 10 years down the road, they're like, crap, I pushed something that wasn't right for me. So all I, all I have to say about that is that, you know, this sort of approach to anything like life or even personal growth, it rarely turns out well or the way we want it to. So slowing down and really appreciating the process as opposed to just the outcome. So in that example of, you know, maybe hurrying your, your way to the aisle. And I don't know that that's necessarily still a thing. I think millennials and Gen Y and Gen Z are probably have very different approaches to marriage, but I'm talking from the Gen Z perspective and probably baby boomers as well. Um, when we slow down and we're more intentional about that process of, you know, dating somebody and getting to know them and spending time with them, we have a much greater likelihood of success. It's a hard balance to find this, especially if you're an intense person or feel intensely, um, um, you know, you have an intense emotion around what it is you're trying to achieve. But honest to God, the biggest goals uh, are reached with consistency over intensity and consistency, not the, you know, the strongest suit for a lot of us, but finding ways for consistency to work for you and, and really focusing on the process is so important and vital towards that, uh, goal achievement. The next question I would ask you is, are you making the process towards these goals fun and or easy? So I think that, you know, we can all do hard things. Yes. But we don't necessarily have to choose to do them the hard way. And very often we choose to do things the hard way because we think that's the way things need to be done. Um, and it, no, in no other scenario than with folks with ADHD, is it so critically important that you find your own way 
to doing things. And there are a million ways to approach things. And I, I find that traditional education makes us feel like, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to approach anything. And now in this day and age, as we see technology and innovation blowing things up and disrupting things, it's so obvious that there's a million ways to do things. I used to talk about this when I was uh, a fitness coach and, you know, folks have this this belief that if they need to lose weight, they have to cut out all of the food they enjoy, eat, you know, like very few calories and they need to suffer. Like whatever process it is they're thinking of or believing, it's hard and they need to suffer and they need to work out and, you know, go to the gym for two hours and nothing further, uh, there's nothing further from the truth. And actually that's a very destructive way of thinking of weight loss. Weight loss can be maybe not fun, maybe that's pushing it too far, but it can be easy if you let it, if you take it slow and you look at, watch the process and focus on the process and have accountability and structure and, you know, a set of a set of processes that work for you. When you find your own way towards a goal, it makes it so much easier and so much more rewarding, to be honest, because white knuckling your way to anything is, it's not fun. <laughs> take it from somebody who knows. The next thing I ask you is, do you have a plan to help you avoid distraction? So, you know, this kind of comes back to my earlier point about following people. Like for me, I'm a research junkie and I'm constantly coming up with, you know, new people to follow and different ways of doing things because now there are so many ways of doing things. It's hard to not sign up for every process and every um, you know, guru that's going to give you a new way of doing this. So, you know, in that, in that arsenal of carefully curated mentors and examples that you are building for yourself, be careful not to spread it in a direction where it's so, um, counterintuitive or, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, contradictory. Like if you're quote unquote, you know, trying to eat healthy or eat less processed or lose weight and you start following people who are paleo and other people who are vegan, well, within those two processes, you know, they both have valid, um, they're both valid, I should say, tripping over my words this week. But uh, they're contradictory in a lot of ways. And when we find ourselves following a bunch of different contradictory examples, if we're, if we're being aware about the information we're taking in and we're questioning, does this work for me? Then that's a great thing because I feel like we all need to be more broadly educated and open-minded about different opinions and attitudes and approaches towards things. But if you are taking in all of this stuff and not really knowing who to trust, which is, um, uh, on a short note, that's, you should be trusting yourself. But if we're trusting a bunch of different people with conflicting ideas, it gets very frustrating and overwhelming. And then we give up. And I saw that again, very much in my fitness coaching practice that, well, you know, I'm trying to follow this person and that person. And they say, don't eat before noon. And this person says, don't eat after five. And this other person says I should eat, eat six or seven meals a day. Uh, that becomes very overwhelming. And I just, I wonder, are you are you doing or not doing, but are, are you feeling that in your own pursuits, no matter what they are? And are there ways that you can take in information and say, 
Okay, I see what this person is saying, but does that ring true for me? Because at the end of the day, with weight loss or anything else, it always comes down to what's going to work for you, what's going to be doable for you, and you know what's going to bring you a result that's easy and fun. That's the right path, not what some other guru is telling you. Even what I'm telling you right now, you know, take what you need from this or what resonates and just toss the rest. Uh, so in the next one, I would ask, are you accepting where you are right now? Which is actually more of like a spiritual perspective. Um, but the reality is that, you know, now or six months down the road when you've accomplished all those goals is not going to change who you are, right? Like if the goal that you have is, let's say, to lose weight and you think that you're going to be happy when, you know, you lose that weight, you know, I'm, I'm going to be the first one to burst your bubble there, that that's not the case. So what holds you back from happiness will, you know, be whatever holds you back once that weight loss has left you. Um, and I think where I'm staying here is, is just be really aware of what your goals mean to you and you know, why they're important and what you think is going to happen at the outcome. So you can gut check that and make sure that, you know, you're not like going after a goal with a thought that is going to perhaps solve a problem that it's not going to do. The next question, are you like going into this or are you maintaining this goal with the right set of expectations, clear expectations. So those of us who are big thinkers and who have, you know, big dreams to do stuff and we're jazzed about a goal, let's say, we may have an expectation that is not aligned to reality. So let me put this back into the weight loss um, perspective because that's just an area I know very well. Let's say, you know, you're pumped to um, start a bodybuilding regimen or, you know, you want to get really ripped and toned. So you're like, I'm going to go to the gym every day and I'm going to get this body and I don't care how hard it is. I'm going to do it. And, uh, you're probably not thinking about the, how hard it's going to be element enough. So you go the gung ho for the first, let's say 14 days and you work your ass off and you're sore and you're tired and you're frustrated. And you, every time you go to the gym, you see all these fit, ripped people and you've still got a mummy tummy or whatever it is you want to, you know, you know, complain about on your own body. Um, and it, it, it's frustrating you that every day you go in and you're working so hard, but you've still got this thing about your body that you don't like. And the reality is that weight loss is a slow process, no matter how gung ho you go on it. And I know a lot of people like to, you know, spin diets of 10 pounds in 10 days, but that's not, that's not, it's not even that it's not realistic. Like that's just not how it works. And you don't have the ability to force your body to do something in a short period of time. It just doesn't do like your body's going to release weight when it wants to release weight. And it may or may not have anything to do with working out. So, you know, when that happens and you've gone to the gym diligently, maybe every day for 14 days and nothing's happened other than you feeling tired and frustrated, you're going to give up. But instead, if you, if you went into a, the same goal with, I know this is going to be hard. 
I have the expectation that it's going to be tough and people have told me it's going to be tough and my expectations are reasonable. I don't think I'm going to see results in two weeks and I don't expect myself to go to the gym every single day. I expect myself to work out in whatever capacity, gym or not, three days a week and that's what I'm committing to and that's what I can control. Guess what happens then? You have a lot more agency over those three days a week that you work out than the 14 days expecting to have like, you know, changes to your physique. You have agency over your behaviors and choices, and you are then, first of all, not going to be exhausted and in pain. Second of all, not expecting to see anything after that first two weeks. And third of all, you may have actually enjoyed because you picked a workout that works for you and that you can do and doesn't suck for you. And you know, you've maybe got external support and you're like, I'm committed to making this process as fun as possible or as easy as possible or as not sucky as possible. And you know what? You're not going to give up. And then after two weeks of doing that, you're going to say, this isn't so bad after all. And that is going to create new neuron connections in your brain where you realize working out doesn't suck as much as I thought it did. And then you're going to be more into it and you're going to start building that habit. And then poof, all of a sudden you've reached your fitness goals and it wasn't, it wasn't that it wasn't hard. It wasn't that it hard doesn't necessarily mean bad or like it was a, a suck that good hard, like the, you know, fostering older dogs that, you know, are going to leave you in two years. That's a good hard. It's meaningful hard. So you sticking to your guns and being consistent with workouts to reach your goal. That's a good hard. And it makes you feel so proud of yourself and it makes you change your identity about yourself as this person who can do hard things. So that is going to continue to, you know, build your courage skills, build your willingness to show up for yourself skills, your consistency skills, which so many of us struggle with. Uh, and I've talked about this before, like working out is not a problem for me at all. There's no head junk or what was the term I heard? Head trash about, you know, getting on my workout clothes and, and getting it in because I do workouts I enjoy. I don't do workouts that I think are sucky. Never. Because then I would hate doing it and I would stop doing it. So I hope those questions have given you some forethought around, oh, am I setting goals that, you know, kind of look shiny and, you know, amazing, but may not be aligned to my values or my lifestyle, or what I truly want, or what's meaningful, or, you know, picking the hard that's right for me. Um, just as a final note, uh, Dr. Ned Hallowell, who is, um, you know, one of the biggest thinkers in the ADHD space, I think that he, he wrote an article, and I think this is a reflection of his next book that may or may not be released yet, is, and it's called something to the effect of choosing your hard. And the premise of the article, I haven't read the book, uh, is that, you know, life, life is hard. I, I like to say shit sandwiches. What flavor of shit sandwich are you going to pick to eat? Because we all have to eat one no matter what. And I'm sorry if that's a, a bad example, but it's the one that I so often use. But it's basically picking your heart, right? And everything that we choose to do that we really want is usually hard or else we would have it already. But uh, if we choose the things that are hard but are meaningful and that we really do want because it's going to be um, meaningful to us personally, those are the hards we follow through on rather than the hards that we haven't really given much thought to 
or that may not necessarily be the right thing for us. And we know, like, we know, we know our in our hearts, we have a very strong sense of intuition when we're willing to trust it. So anyways, I'm going to leave this here. I, I hope that this was helpful. If it was, I want to know. Um, I find that with podcasting, I love doing this. I love, love, love doing this. And I'll tell you, this is actually the second time I've recorded this because I listened to my recording yesterday before I got it scheduled. And I thought, you know, this isn't good enough. And I see my audience growing and I'm, I'm so here for you guys. And I so want us to connect because I'm very passionate about this topic and I'm very passionate about democratizing coaching or especially around ADHD so that it's more accessible to all of us. Um, anyway, uh, the thing with podcasting though, is that it's very one-sided me talking to you and not us having conversations. So, uh, connect with me, please, uh, on Instagram, uh, it's ADHD friendly and on YouTube it's ADHD friendly. Even Facebook, uh, is ADHD friendly. And I don't check Facebook and Instagram every day because that's a personal choice and a boundary. But when I do, I love hearing from you guys. It makes, it make warms my heart. And ADHD folks are just the nicest, most wonderful, quirkiest, just like me folks. And I just want to connect with all of you. So on that note, feel free to reach out to me in either of those places because that's where we can have more of a conversation. Um, and that's all, that's all I got for you this week. Uh, if you are interested in one-on-one coaching, um, please check out my website. It's ADHD coaching, or sorry, it's ADHDfriendly.com forward slash coaching. And also uh, I have talked about this before. I have a wait list right now for group coaching. I'm going to start my first cohort soon. Uh, I have a big waiting list that I need to reach out to because it's going to be a bit of an application process just because I'm looking for a cohort that's going to have a good dynamic amongst those people in particular. Like I want them to have a relevant growth goal. And, um, you know, I want it to be as effective for them as possible. So if you have an interest in coaching, please do get on uh, my interest list. And, uh, when I'm ready to send out that, um, that application process, I will. And this first cohort will be, um, it will be good because it'll be live and it will be, um, it will be very dynamic and it will also be at a beta price because I will be testing it. Uh, so this is the one, the first cohort is going to be the one that you're going to want to be in. And then of course, every cohort thereafter is going to benefit from, you know, whatever comes out of this one. I'm excited for it. So on that note, I'm going to tie things up here. Um, thanks very much. I'm getting great reviews from you guys. Like that warms my heart too. So if you know how to do a review in either Apple podcast or Spotify, go ahead and do that. An ADHD friendly five-star review makes me feel good. And, uh, I'll talk to you next Friday guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening. For links and resources for this podcast, please visit itsadhdfriendly.com or click the link in the show description. Please also be sure to subscribe so you get automatic updates when new shows are posted. And of course, please do leave us an ADHD-friendly review. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.